a brand name. How important is it to your business? Recently, I had the opportunity to change mine and I wanna share some of the key takeaways with you along with some things to keep in mind as you are building your own brand and business. All this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. Okay, so it has been a little while since we have had a new episode here on the program, but there's going to be a lot of changes, uh, some changes that I'm really excited about, not only to Rightly Designed, which is now Rightly and Company, but also I am very excited to introduce to you a new co-host I'm going to have on the program. His name is Casey Proctor of CaseyProctor.com. Welcome, Casey. Thanks, Tom. So yeah, Casey, really excited to have you here on the program. Uh, a lot of times, people who have been listening know, uh, pretty much have been a solo show. I've done a number of interviews in the past, but they're kind of sprinkled here and there. So really excited to have you on here with us. So we'll be able to get a little bit of your perspective uh, as well. So yeah, if you want to give people just a really kind of brief background of who you are and the type of work that you do, uh, I'd love awesome. to hear from you. Awesome. Thanks, Thomas. Um, I like to call myself a professional superhero sidekick. Um, and so I kind of sit behind the scenes and do project management, uh, content marketing and other digital system stuff for entrepreneurs. I'm the uh, I'm the guy behind the scenes. I'm the man behind the curtain. Very cool. Very cool. And I've had the opportunity to see a lot of your work in action. And so it's one of those things where you do a good job of making the clients you work for look like superheroes <laughs> because of all the work that you do. So no, very cool. Um, and we're really excited, like you said, to have you on the program. Um, so for those of you listening, uh, I've been doing a number of YouTube videos uh, as well. So if you haven't had a chance to uh, catch up with some of the YouTube videos we've been doing, you can head on over to rightly.tv. Uh, pretty weekly-ish, but uh, we're going to start doing obviously weekly-ish uh, episodes here on the podcast as well. And the main difference, what I wanted to kind of break down here briefly, was that uh, it's not just going to be kind of a replica of what you have on the podcast or the other way around. What it's going to be is over on the YouTube channel, that's going to be very much more visual. So we're going to be doing a lot more tutorials and walkthroughs, and they're going to be a little bit shorter form. What you're going to be able to find here on the podcast are going to be things that are a little bit less visual. They're going to be things that... Uh, we can kind of expound upon that we can discuss in more detail and that sort of thing. Uh, on that note, uh, what we're going to be doing as well, if you ever have a question for the program, uh, I've got a new page set up for you where you can go and it, you can actually record a question. If it's a good fit for the show, we'd be happy to turn it into a full length episode. And you can find that over at rightly.show slash question. So again, that's rightly.show slash question. If you have any questions for the program, never hesitate to head on over there. Uh, and we would be happy to hear from you. Become a Rightly subscriber and never miss a thing. Go to rightly.show slash subscribe to get the latest tools, resources, videos, and more. Best of all, it's free. rightly.show slash subscribe. Okay, so today's main topic we're going to be talking about is the name change. As you guys probably know, if you've been listening to the program for a while, 
I'm the founder of a company by the name of Rightly Designed, but it is being changed now to Rightly and Company. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit today about that change and some of the fundamental reasons for the change, as well as, of course, some things that you can take away as well. So go ahead and kind of turn it over to you, Casey, in terms of kind of going through some of those pieces. Awesome. Thank you, Thomas. Um, I am here to go ahead and prop you up with some really great questions in terms of why the change? What is the reason why you decided to go from Rightly Design to Rightly and Company? Yeah, so the short the short answer for this, because I, I could come up with a really long winded way of, you know, some of the strategy behind it. And there was some strategy behind it in terms of the name change itself. But the thing that the thing that kicked it over the edge was the domain. So I am a web based business. hundred percent of my clients come through the web. A lot of them are kind of, you know, referrals or word of mouth or that that type of thing. Um, but the domain rightly.co was available. And one of the difficulties that I've had in the past, one of the challenges has been explaining particularly uh, what the name is and and what it stands for. And so when people hear the name designed, a lot of times people think, you know, you're a designer and that's all you do. Part of what uh, the reason for, you know, why Rightly Designed was originally founded was to help people build better brands. So now what I found more recently is that I'm talking with a lot more people, going to conferences, having more phone meetings, more calls and that type of thing with the clients I have got on the web. But the challenge that I've run into over and over again is getting people to uh, remember or spell or type out rightly designed. I, can't, I was at the bank a couple of weeks back and we were having a conver- I was having a conversation with one of the people at the bank and they're like, so is it rightly designed? No, 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 rightly designed with an ED at the end. So a lot of it's really practical. A lot of this is just uh, learning as you go and that, that sort of thing. But what I've found is when it comes to a brand name, the more simple it can be, the better. Um, and so uh, once I saw that rightly.co was available, I decided that was kind of kind of be the piece that kicked it over the edge. So as I thought this is now the point to start making that shift, start making that change. And so not only is it rightly and company, that's that's kind of the umbrella, or I guess you could call the parent brand. But from there, there's going to be a lot of uh, kind of sub brands that come from that, which are part of the parent brand. So right, the rightly show, this podcast would be one. Uh, rightly TV. So just using that rightly name in co- in conjecture or in context in com- combination with all these other pieces uh, and at the same time being really memorable. So those are kind of some of the pieces, but that's kind of the main reason I decided, you know what, it's time to change the name and retire Rightly Designed. I love that. And one thing I'd like to back up for and discuss with you and have you share with folks is why why is the name of a brand so important? Like McDonald's, Kleenex, Evernote, Apple. You know, why why is the name of a brand so important? Yeah, no, it's a great question because it it's important for a, for a number of different reasons. But the biggest is that it's something that people will remember, right? That's why it is it is important, and it's something that we have to always keep in mind as we're coming up with a brand name if we are. Uh, and so for, for some of us, we're just building a personal brand. And so that's total, that works totally great as well. And you don't really have a lot of, you know, not a lot of wiggle room there if you decide to use your name as a brand. And so kind of the important thing to keep in mind when it comes to a brand is that it needs to be clear and concise. So it needs to be 
like I said before, it needs to be memorable. But the great news is that, and I've I've done a you know a YouTube video on this in the past before as well. The actual name itself doesn't matter nearly as much as what it stands for. So if you think about Nike or if you think about Apple, if you think about McDonald's, if you think about any of the brands that you remember, they're popular not because of the name, because you can go online and you can find like random name generators. You can find uh, even full on brand identities that you can just buy that have the logo and the name all built in. What makes a brand good, what makes a brand unique, what makes a brand name specifically effective is the things that it stands for. So I won't harp on this too much in, the, in this particular episode, but something I've talked about a lot in the past is what a brand is and what a brand is not. A brand is not the name. The brand is the promise that we make to our target customers and the way that we deliver on that promise. So one of the things that I, I like to mention is kind of an analogy. If you think of like Casey, can you think of like think of a Marriott or a Hyatt hotel or something like that? One of the sort by price type hotels. Could you imagine what it would be like if one of those brands, one of those companies, made a shoe? Does anything, um, does be- anything distinct come to mind? Like if they made a shoe, what would it look like? Oh, I'm a. I'm not sure. I've suddenly thought of like a penny loafer for some reason. I don't know. Why. Right. Uh, but right. it would be very disconnected. And I think you hit on something really important there because, um, you know, a brand is in many ways is the reputate is your is a company's reputation because, like you said, it's the promise you make to your customers, to your target audience, and then your how you deliver against that promise over time, not just once, but the consistency of that quality and what you deliver to to your customers. Um, and a, an example of a brand that got di- that has gotten diluted um, is Sears. So yes. you know they you know yes. they started out um, you know the the first Sears store built outside of the Chicago market is here in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, um, and they haven't operated in that building for over five years now because Sears, the Sears brand became so many things like craftsman tools and appliances and clothes and shoes and just everything that when people thought of Sears, they didn't really think of anything. And, um, there's a, a parallel in terms of book of writing books. Like you can't write a book for everyone because then no one will read it. You're writing it. You're create. You're writing a book. You're creating a blog post. You're recording a podcast like this f- with a specific audience in mind. If you try and create anything for everyone, then no one will pay attention. It, exactly. It's so true. And like if we were to let's take that to the opposite extreme, right? So we've got we we can all think of. A lot of brands like like, for example, nobody where nobody you never heard of anyone who's gotten like a Mazda tattoo. Right. <laughs> but you got plenty <laughs> not, of people, not people who who would wear paraphernalia or even get tattoos of Harley. Right. It's it's the brand. It's what it represents for those particular people. Like, for example, let's take we, we talked about like the hotels were making a shoe. Let's imagine for a second that Apple decided to come out with a hotel. I think just about all of us could imagine what that would be like. It'd be highly modern. There'd be a lot of glass. There'd be a lot of glowing lights. It would be clean. It would be clear. That's because Apple is a brand, whereas Marriott is not. Marriott is a hotel chain. And that's the Mm -hmm. big difference. It's not only like Apple doesn't create computers and phones and software. They create an experience, an expectation. When they create a new piece of hardware, 
we have a particular experience or expectation from that brand. And so in the same way, when we're creating our own personal brands, if we're creating smaller brands and smaller businesses, because this podcast isn't about people who are making multi-billion dollar corporations. It's about, you know, the person who, who works a desk job and maybe wants to start a brand on the side that could, could eventually turn into full-time income. And this could be a brand name that's separate from the person itself, or it could be uh, a brand name that is that person. Um, but the point is creating something, a way of doing something for a particular people that comes to, that becomes synonymous with that brand. And so that's part of why I decided to change rightly designed. There's always been like rightly designed has been used as a verb many times in the past, right? I've even had clients and customers who I've worked with in the, with in the past could say, yeah, I can tell that particular site or that book jacket or that project was rightly designed. And that's part of the why I wanted to keep, you know, that's part of the why I like that name. But kind of moving forward, I want to maintain that while at the same time, having it simplistic. See, a good brand isn't something that merely represents a product. It's more of a way of delivering that product or that service that people can come to to know and to expect moving forward. I love that. And I think you gave a great example in Apple and I think Starbucks would be another one is where they're not yes. just delivering an ex- they're not just delivering a product. They're not just delivering a service. They're delivering an experience. You expect something when you walk into an Apple store, when you walk into a Starbucks store, when you buy an Apple product, when you buy Starbucks coffee, you yep. expect a certain experience and as consumers, we identify that with that to some point, you know, and whether that's because the, you know, the logo of said brand is on our device or on our coffee cup, um, we identify with that. Um, in terms of for our target audience, for your target audience here, um, people who are starting their own small businesses and aspiring entrepreneurs, what advice would you give to people who get stuck in trying to come up with a name for their business, for their brand? Yeah, no, this is a great question. It does come up a lot. And so what I would recommend is when it comes to building a brand or picking a name, I would say when you're first starting out, just pick one, right? Like, like for example, when I first started out, like my name, uh, the name, the brand names I've used have very much been a transition. Like when I first started out, it was rightly designed, but it was spelled R-I-T-E-L-Y or something like that. It was for writers, So it was kind of a play on the word rightly as in writing. What I found as I was building my business is that I started to shift away from helping authors and writers and publishers. I still do a very small amount of book jacket designs, um, but that audience started to move. So I actually changed the name over to rightly spelled, you know, R-I-G-H-T-L-Y designed.com. And of course, now we're uh, rightly and company. Uh, but the point is that especially very early on, and I know this kind of goes a little bit contrary to what I mentioned a little bit earlier, but the name doesn't matter. Uh, when you're first starting out, it just doesn't matter. Uh, you could literally come up with any name and over time that can change and progress into something else. Now, you want it to be memorable. You want it to be concise, all those things I mentioned, but it's more important to focus in upon what that name means what it stands for. The reason I was able to change the name uh, at least slightly and change my website probably half a dozen times, if not more, was because it 
people who came back still knew what the brand represented. So that's the point. If you're starting out something new, you want to deliver a way of doing that work, a high quality craftsmanship approach to doing that work for which you will be trusted. The name will become synonymous by with that type of work by default. Um, because if you're going to enter into this marketplace, if you're going to do this work at sort by price, if you're just going to be another designer, if you're going to be just another copywriter uh, and you're just going to compete by price, your name doesn't matter at that point anyways, because again, it's, we're comparing Apple to Marriott, right? Cause if you're Marriott, if you're the Hyatt, if you're the best Western, you know, it's sort by price at which point the name means nothing. You're just the cheapest hotel. So the goal would be to create a type of work, a type of craftsmanship, uh, whatever it is. Again, if you're a writer, if you're a videographer, if you're a lawyer, if you're a hairstylist, whatever it is that you do, the whole idea is to be doing that work in such a way as to where I want to come back to you over and over again. Something memorable, the wow experience. So that name will become synonymous with that brand over time. Um, so from there you can, you know, shift your name, you can uh, change it if you need to, but the point is that the brand it represents has to be on key, you know, every single time it's, it's doing a work, it's doing work that matters for people who care is the bottom line. That's awesome. And I really like how that really underscores your point earlier of how a brand is the reputation is what, you know, it's not, it's not the name. The name is representative. The name is a symbol. The name is really like, if you think about it, it's just a collection of symbols and characters. Um, and what people are really coming back for is your reputation and that human connection. It's we, uh, you know, brands that are personal, whether they are an actual person's name, like, uh, Chris Ducker, um, or their name of a business like Youpreneur or Starbucks or Apple, we as consumers, as customers come back to those brands, not because of the name, but because of the reputation and that personal connection with them. And so I think that's, I think that was really great there. Um, what is the important, so, you know, ultimately a brand like just pick a name and just start and i love that because so often you know when we try to start new projects or we get shiny object syndrome and we've got all this momentum and energy we can get stuck on something you know as little it feels big in our minds but something as little as a name so let's say someone's picked the name they've got their business going they have developed a you know solid brand in terms of their reputation and they're serving their customers and they're really personal and they've you know they've made a promise they've delivered on that promise and they're considering a rebrand much like you know what you're going through or have gone through with rightly and company um what's the importance of simplicity in your brand name and your brand identity yeah no it's pivotal. It's so important. And sometimes, you know, this is one of those things that you can nail right outside the gate. And if you do, congratulations. Uh, but it's one of those things where you want to be very, you, you want to take your brand name and make sure that it is clear, it is concise. And we're going to touch on this a little bit, but it is simple and it is memorable. So some things that you can stay away from, stay away from acronyms. Acronyms are extremely difficult to remember, and most of the time people associate them with a government uh, entity. So uh, try to stay away from acronyms. Uh, Try to stay away from uh, names that are overly descriptive, so really, really long or four or five words long. Um, If you are going to pick a name, 
if you can pick one word that typically works the best. So for example, uh, part of the reason why I decided to drop rightly and the, uh, or drop designed off of rightly was because, and I've noticed this even from some of the research I've done, is people don't like two words when it comes to a brand. It can be multiple syllables, but two words doesn't typically work very well. So like, let's, let's, let's take, for example, cars. Like nobody says, yeah, I'm going to be driving around the Honda Civic this afternoon. No, they say I'm going to drive the Civic or I'm going to drive the Honda. People just naturally shave things down to their most basic form. And so I've even had people talk to me before. They're like, oh yeah, so how's Rightly going? Or I've got another brand by Notable Themes and I've even had people say, you know, oh, how's Notable doing? So at this point, I'm not planning on changing Notable Themes to Notable, um, mainly because it is very descriptive. Uh, rightly designed, on the other hand, is more, it, it, the whole term rightly designed kind of applies to a philosophy. Uh, it's not descriptive of the brand or the products and services that are contained therein. So it makes more sense for that just to be rightly. So in terms of the brand in its everyday use, it's just going to be rightly. So that's something to keep in mind when, you, when you're creating uh, or you're wanting to kind of refine your brand. If you're really wanting to hone it in, make it simple, make it short and make it concise. Now, if you're not able to con- to hone it down into one word, similar to Notable Themes, there's a lot of other brands out there that do this well, is make it descriptive. So, you know, John's Coffee Company, like that's descriptive. It's clear. That works great. Uh, something like that is going to be 10 times better than something that's clever but confusing. So clarity is king when it comes to a brand name. Uh, and of course, the elephant in the room is the domain. Right. So if we're going to be if your brand is anything related to the web, which just about every company needs some sort of presence on the web, uh, it needs to be uh, a domain that is available. So don't do like, you know, John's John's coffee dot biz or something like that or dot net. Um, You can do and what's becoming increasingly popular. We did dot co, but um, there's other domain extensions that you can use. If you happen to find a domain extension that is part of your name, that works as well. Um, but domain is also a very important piece to that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, just for clarity for folks, what is the extension? What is that? What is a domain extension? What does that mean? Oh, yes. No, good question. Yeah. So .com, .biv, .biz, .gov, .edu, those are domain extensions. So what you might want to check out if you're trying to find a domain uh, is check out Hover. So Hover is a great tool or it's a great domain registrar company and they offer a ton of them. So what you can do is just type in the domain that you want into Hover. So let's say, you know, I want johnscoffee.com. Well, johnscoffee.com is taken, but what they're going to do is they're going to provide you a long list of alternatives um, with uh, potential domain extensions that you can use in a place of the .com. So I don't know if .coffee is one, but I think like .shop would be one. So you'd be surprised what's out there um, as long as it's clear and memorable. Uh, it used to be one of those things where the .everything else or the .xyz type domains were a little bit more confusing, but I think we're we're finding that more and more people are, are understanding them, that they're becoming less ambiguous than they used to be. Um, so that can be a great way to find a memorable, clear, easy to say domain uh, that doesn't cost five thousand dollars. I'm all about minimizing costs when you're first starting out. Yep. Um, I wanted to go ahead and underline your encouragement to avoid abbreviations. Um, if you go to abbreviations.com, you can see how many different 
explanations there are for certain acronyms. And if you plug in CIA, you get 143 definitions. Oh, wow. Including the Central Intelligence Agency, the Certified Internal Auditor, the Culinary Institute of America, and I think the one that sounded my favorite, the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. Oh, nice. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there there are a ton of them out there. And that's just why, you know, that's why we have so many brands as well. And I think part of this has to do with uh, domain availability. We've got brands like Slack and Skype and Skitch. And, you know, there's just so many names that are literally just kind of like Slack's an actual word. But, you know, there's actual words that are just kind of being made up and and created in order to fill that that void. So my advice to you would be uh, if you're going to make up a word, make sure it's easy to say, pronounce and spell. So because, you know, some of us actually, you know, it's hard enough just with the English language when you start adding on to it. So it's something to keep in mind as well. If you want to get creative, totally fine. But just make sure that there's some sort of balance between simplicity, clarity, uh, as well as something that's easily understood for the people that you're trying to reach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely do your research, especially if you're unsure about the name. And if it's not, um, you know, if you're if you are speaking English and are, you know, founding your company in America, you know, make sure if you're using a a word from a different language that it is not appropriating anything from that culture. I think uh, yeah. ConvertKit tried to do a brand name change this last oh, year. Right. And, yeah. you know, if you think about the size of a company like ConvertKit, it's not a huge company, but it's still, you know, sizable. They, you know, I think they have multiple million dollars in, you know, recur monthly recurring revenue. And a lot goes into, you know, planning a brand name change for something of that scale. And they, they rolled it out. They got, you know, positive and lots of negative you know, feedback on it and they listened to their customers uh, and clients and they rolled it back um, to to their credit um, but I, I think that is a good example of like a warning of do your do your homework yeah very good point I think a lot of that too this is something I'll do anytime I'm gonna uh, there's some sort of brand I'm wanting to create or, or work with I always do a google search always do a Google search of every single variation of that brand to see what else exists. Because not only that, it's it's easy. There's just so much out there we just don't know or just don't know about. So it's quite easy to start doing a Google search on something and see that it's synonymous with something you don't want it to be synonymous with or with a different industry you don't want to be associated with or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. So there's also things like that or just brand confusion, right? Yeah. So um, you can't tell you how many, like there's companies out there is like, I think there was one like McDonald and co or something like that. That was like, I can't remember what it was like an insurance company or something, but you say McDonald, it's just, it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to immediately think golden arches. So, That's right. so it's just, you have to be yep. really aware of the brands that people already know about when you're creating your own. Yep. A tip that I would tack onto that is to also go on Twitter and search different like hashtag variations yes. of the brand you're going with, because you might discover that, um, you know, putting putting that hashtag in front of the name, you might find something that is very much, you know, contradicts whatever your brand is trying to stand for, you know, good or bad, you know, you know, type of thing. Um, and so that's another place to to double check and do do yeah. your homework. Definitely. Definitely. So, Thomas, you 
you know, have lots of ideas. Um, I think as you know, anyone who's in the digital space, we have all, we have tons of ideas. I have a stack of notebooks, you know, yep, over here totally. on my shelf, um, yep. with scribbled down ideas and endless, you know, files in Evernote. Um, what are some brand names that you, or brand ideas that you've come up with that you either couldn't use, you know, ever, or just haven't used yet? Yeah, absolutely. So there is one that's actually sitting on the, the most, I'll share the most recent one. Cause like you said, uh, Ideas are a dime a dozen. That's why I'm, I've never I've never really had a problem sharing my ideas with just anyone because ideas don't really count for anything. It's the execution that counts for everything. So that's why it's like if somebody steals my idea and creates it and it's wonderful, great, I'll use it. I'll pay for it, <laughs> you know, um, that sort of thing. But one of the most recent ones that I've been tossing around is it's a brand called Do Next. Uh, and it would be, I, of course, bought the domain, but donext.co is what it would be. So, and I think there's another one that I bought as well, but the brand would be called Donext. And so what this would be is uh, a very simple and clean tool, but also kind of a, a productivity philosophy around a bird, taking a bird's eye view at everything you have to do and moving it uh, ahead, moving it forward one step at a time. So by default, this would be kind of a free service. Uh, maybe eventually it could be a premium or a, a kind of a freemium service as they're known as well. So it could integrate with browsers, but it would just show you the big projects that you have in queue at the moment and a simple like uh, prompt to tell you what is the next specific action that needs to be taken on this. So you can ask yourself the question multiple times throughout the day, what do I need to do next? And so it would be called the Do Next brand. Uh, and it would be a simple tool online that would help people hone in on the specific project that they're working on and the small task as a part of that project that they need to move forward. So that's a specific brand. It's kind of floating out there. Maybe someday I'll do it or maybe someday somebody will steal it and I can just pay for the service. <laughs> <laughs> you can sell them that domain name for $5,000. Exactly. Get exactly. some of your money back. I really love that concept. It kind of reminds me of um, there's an app called IA Writer, which is a kind of markdown syntax, yeah. minimal yep. type of um, interface for writing like whatever you're writing. Um, and they have a, a focus mode and what it does, it's, it basically works, you know, it cr takes your screen and kind of makes it like a typewriter where only yeah. that single line that you're typing shows up. So you're not, dis you are not as distracted by the words above or the blank space below. Um, only that single line that you're working on, uh, displays on the screen. The other words are kind of grayed out. So you can still kind yep. of you see them sort of, but you can't focus on them. And so your idea of do next, I kind of like envisioned that type of thing where the beginning of the day or the beginning of the week, I kind of set up my projects and the, and the, you know, strategic next action for, you know, each of those. And then, you know, as I start my day, I'm like, all right, what do I do next? You know, I check that off and then the next tax task displays. So instead of looking at, you know, a really long to-do list of everything that I have to accomplish that day, I'm just looking at one next task at a time and then checking that off as I go. I would, I would pay for that. Sign me up. Yeah. No, that, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. It would be, it's one of those things where I found, I found a kind of a gap between a lot of uh, analog tools and digital tools in terms of like, okay, your task list, right? If you use task software, it's easy for there to be like a mile long list of them. Uh, so I use Basecamp for a lot of the projects that I manage, which is nice. The like, problem is you see big squares that have, you know, for each of the different projects that you have going on. You don't necessarily know until you dig into each of those projects what needs to be done next and by whom. 
I use also use the Full Focus Planner right now uh, by Michael Hyatt. It's a great tool. It's wonderful. It's analog. I like handwriting things down as well, which that works really well. What I found, though, is that that does a great job of helping me plan out the day, not necessarily adapt throughout the day. So for something that I would create would kind of bridge the gap between those two. So it would be you could almost think of it as like an app or you can even use it as like the start page on your browser where it just shows up and it just says, okay, you would, this wouldn't necessarily be a task list. It would be a list of your biggest projects or literally could just be a list of five things and a sub item below next, below each thing that says, you know, do this next. So, and then just like you were saying, you hit the nail on the head, uh, with that writer app where it would just focus in. And the one thing that you're working on now would be in focus, big and bold, cleanly designed, of course. And it would say, so every time you open up your browser, you know, to go check Facebook or something. We're like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing that. Okay, so maybe I won't check Facebook. So that type of thing. So it's also kind of got, it's just meant to help you focus on the big core issues of the day. And part of that too with productivity, one of the things I've noticed is that when you're overwhelmed by like 20 things to do, you end up getting less done. At least that's been my personal experience. When it's like you see 20 things that have to get done, you just feel overwhelmed. And it feels like you don't get anything done. Whereas if there's one big specific action that if it gets done doesn't even take that long but if it gets done uh, that prog the progress of that project uh helps move forward a lot faster whereas you could check off five or six things on a task list and feel like nothing got done it just helps you hone in what needs to be done and actually see that it is getting done and that's i think half of productivity so <laughs> i love that i like that concept of the um the browser plugin and how when you open a new tab it would yeah. show like that next task, like nice and big centered across the screen, like write, respond to this email or, you know, write this, you know, sales page copy or something. That would be great. Um, one thing I want to um, kind of bring us back to a brand, back to the brand conversation um, is what is a, what's a brand that you are a fan of um, that is kind of maybe underrated or not as well known. So like, you know, you like Apple, you know, uh, you like Michael Hyatt's, you know, full focus planner. What's a brand that you're a fan of, um, that isn't as well known? Um, and why are you a fan? Yeah, definitely. So actually you mentioned one who, who I'll mention actually a client of mine, and that would be, uh, I am a really big fan of the Michael Hyatt brand. Um, one of the reasons I'm a big fan of it is because it's a personal brand and it's one that I think a lot of people who are just starting out can can learn a, a lot from. Now, here's here's my disclaimer on that. If you are trying to build an, a, an independent brand, what I would recommend is do not copy Michael Hyatt <laughs> because I work with a lot of people who have worked with or who are big fans of Michael Hyatt and the brand that he's building. And the first inclination of a lot of these people is to try and copy him. Can you make me a website like Michael Hyatt's? Can you make me a logo like Michael Hyatt's? Can you lay my, not, you know, this brand identity piece out like Michael Hyatt's? Part of why I am a fan of Michael Hyatt's brand is because he's not doing that. Uh, he's paving away. He's become very clear on the audience he wants to serve and the transformation that he wants to make for those particular people. And it comes through in every product that he creates. Uh, it's not just like another marketing head out there. He, he's targeting leaders who are stressed, who are, you know, have too much on their plate. They're very successful. They need to become more pro productive as well as find the times and the ways that they need to rest. So he's become very clear on who he's serving, the particular change that he's trying to make with them. 
and the way that he does it. Uh, so those are very important pieces to building any type of brand. But I think it's something that people can can learn from when it comes to building their own brand. It's part of what's made his so unique and so successful is that he's honed in on the way that he wants to serve people uh, and, and the particular people he wants to serve. So there's a lot that people can learn from that, uh, whether or not they're building a, a a corporate style brand, which is something other than their name, or whether they're creating a brand that revolves around themselves as a person. I like how you pointed out the the importance of emulating the practices of someone who is further down the path than you without copying their work. So you can copy the methods and the approach and the principles of Michael Hyatt, but you're not Michael Hyatt. You yes. are your own person. You are your own brand. You have your own target audience. You might go after the same, like your target audience might be the same, but the way you go after them, if you try to be another Michael Hyatt, he's going to beat you at that game because he's Michael Hyatt. Like, but Michael Hyatt can't beat you at being you. Like he yeah. can't be your brand at being your brand to your customers. And I think that's really important to keep in mind. Um, Thomas, what are some resources like when you, you know, are, you know, wanting to learn more about branding and, you know, how you run your business? What are some resources that you go to um, to further like develop yourself personally and professionally uh, that would help, you know, people listening to the show? Yeah, so there's a there's a couple of things I'd recommend. We're actually in the process right now, uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, of creating a totally free course uh, on how to build an effective brand. Um, and so it's going to have the fundamentals. This is actually a course that I was planning on charging a thousand dollars for, uh, but we're actually going to give it away for free. So stay stay tu- uh, stay tuned for that. We'll be talking about that more. But a great start. Uh, a, I have a particular book I would recommend that. Uh, when I was very early on in starting to build and create my own brands, uh, as well as working with customers, um, there's a brand called What Great Brands Do. Uh, and this book does a great job of breaking down some of the fundamentals of building a brand. It goes beyond some of the misconceptions out there that a brand is a logo or a color palette or a scheme or a name or something like that. And it teaches you some of the fundamentals of what makes a good brand. And it starts from within. It talks about things like company culture. So again, even if you're just starting out, but you want to grow as time goes on, having employees or contractors that you work with who share the same ideas and the ideals um, is going to be just as important as the way that it looks on the outside. So very good book. Highly recommend it. What great brands do. And like I said, we're going to be we're in the process right now of creating a free course. It's going to be a five part uh, mini series that kind of walks you through the fundamentals of building a brand and yep we'll be talking about that in weeks to come well that's fantastic thank you thomas that'll be really great for everyone to get their hands on and folks if you just type in what great brands do into google the top result is the book you're looking for perfect All right, Thomas. Um, I am I am out of questions. So um, I or a last one would be is when you have questions. So uh, you already shared a book and some resources that you go after um, when you're wanting to you know learn more about branding and business. Who are some people that you go to? So when you have questions about business and branding, who do you go to? Yeah. So there's a lot of different. What's really cool about the current 
kind of information age that we live in is that there are so many people who are doing it or who have done it well. So there's a couple of people I've been watching and reading recently who I'd recommend. So Seth Godin is one. He's worked with a lot of brands and kind of brings some new ideas to the table. So uh, watching some of his interviews and YouTube videos. Also Simon Sinek is another one who I'd recommend. He's got some ideas and videos and and books that he's had. So uh, This is the great thing about kind of living in the information age is like if you want to learn more about a subject, you can find it. I think the key and I think the difference and part of actually why we're going to be creating this course is uh, 98% of it comes down to implementation. Uh, All the information's out there uh, and I've been there myself where it's one of those things where I've got all this knowledge, I've got all this information. I think it's just time to sit down and do it. And so I think that the, the same thing rings true, I think, for all of us. So if you're currently working at a desk job or if you're working for a a large company or or organization and there's another line of work that you want to do or even the same line of work but you want to start doing it independently, those are the type of people who we want to serve here on this show, show you that the tools and the resources and the strategies and the tactics are all there. You just got to take the first step to make it happen. Amen. I love that, Thomas. Um, I think one thing that I just want to highlight there is – education procrastination there is we have a wealth of knowledge out there there are billions of hours of content on youtube and you know countless blog posts published every day and podcasts and all of that stuff and a lot of it a lot of it is really good there's a lot of junk out there but there is really a lot of really great content out there but if all you're doing is consuming and you're not creating if you don't take that information and execute like thomas said earlier ideas are a dime a dozen and if you don't actually apply it and convert that information into application and execute it and do something and create something then you're not going to make any progress you are just going to be another hamster spinning faster on a wheel yeah totally 100% okay well I appreciate uh, appreciate you joining us for the program Casey look forward to uh, future episodes as well having you on here so thank you very much appreciate it awesome thank you Thomas we'll see you next time Yep, absolutely. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, if you want to ask a question for the program, never hesitate to head on over to rightly.show slash question. If you'd like to check out the show notes, we're going to go ahead and leave some links to some of the things that we discussed, some of the tools and books and resources that we discussed today in the program. You can go on over to rightly.show slash 69. That's where you're going to be able to find the show notes for today's episode. So again, uh, if you found today's episode useful, don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We always do appreciate that. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program. If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or the medium of your choosing.